What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Shelby Caparelli on today's episode. You guys, that name probably sounds familiar because this is an update episode, which I'm so excited about. I love update episodes. Her episode aired August 9th of 2019 and I believe we ended off after two miscarriages and she was currently trying to conceive the last time that we chatted. So Shelby, I'm just going to toss it at you, start wherever you like and kind of just fill us in from where we left off. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks for having me again. I'm super excited to be on and giving an update because I know it was super helpful to me as a listener to hear, you know, some update episodes and hear some, you know, some good news. So, um, Last we spoke, um, I was trying again um, after I had an early miscarriage, February of 2019. Um, My husband and I started trying December of 2018. Um, And then we got pregnant again um, late March, and I miscarried around seven weeks and it ended up being a blighted ovum. And then we tried for a couple more months and I got on the podcast with you. I was, um, if people listen to my episode, I kept referring to myself in such a dark place. And um, I had just said we were gonna keep trying. Um, obviously July came. Um, we did not have any luck. And so I told my husband, like, I can't do this anymore. And I know a lot of women, you know, probably try for a year and I just felt like something isn't right. Um, and I needed answers. So August last year, I went to a fertility clinic in Chicago called bios who are, they're amazing. And I know that they're in Milwaukee kind of all over, the Illinois area, um, St. Louis, maybe one other place, but ended up going there and they wanted to do extensive testing. So that was going to take a while until they were going to put me on any type of medication or start, start me on any sort of path. So, um, we first kind of started off with genetic testing again. Um, I had already done genetic testing myself before um, going to the fertility clinic, but my husband also needed to do it. So, um, which he hated every portion of this because all he wanted so badly was to just do this on our own. He hates doctors. He definitely has white coat syndrome. So that also made it very stressful on, you know, the trying to conceive process because he just couldn't stand going to this fertility clinic and, you know, getting any type of testing done. So on top of me being stressed, it was stressful just to get him to do the things that they needed him to do in order for us to move forward. So um, genetic testing was done, um, lots of blood tests. Um, I got my thyroid checked. 
he had to do a semen analysis, which paralyzed him for a whole weekend. He, you know, it took a lot of begging and pleading for him to just do that. Um, everything came back normal with him. And then finally, they um, checked my follicle count and they noticed that I had tons of follicles on my ovaries. Um, I had about 16 on my left ovary and about 17 on my right ovary. And doctors may say a normal amount in total would be maybe six to 10, perhaps, um, just depending on who your doctor is. So um, putting that total together was a lot of follicles. Um, and you'd think that's a good thing, but it's actually wasn't working in my favor. And then they diagnosed me with uh, PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, which I'm sure a lot of listeners um, have heard of before. Um, so that was kind of our answer. So people with PCOS may have a harder time conceiving. Um, they also might have a higher chance of miscarriage. So I thought, okay, we have our answer. We can move forward. So that was August. And then they were ready to put me on um, some drugs starting in September. So I was so hopeful and I was so excited. Um, they started me off um, with a drug called letrozole. Um, they put me on about two and a half milligrams of letrozole, which helps your follicles grow, um, kind of gets that lead follicle in there. Um, they put me on that, and then they also put me on some estrogen pills. And I went in for my baseline testing, had tons of follicles. I think I had like 20 on one and like 21 on the other. So like tons and tons of follicles. And um, when I took the drugs, they monitor you. So when I went in uh, after I took the letrozole and the estrogen pills, uh, I got my blood work back and she called and she said, it's like showing like something's not right. And I was like, what? Um, so I went in and the nurse just straight up said, you know, are you open to IVF? I don't think this nurse knew how long I had been with, you know, the infertility clinic. And I just start bursting into tears. Cause I'm like, I haven't even started my journey here. Like I wasn't even thinking IVF, like my husband, there's no way he's getting on board with that. And it just felt so overwhelming to me to hear, okay, we just went from like zero to 60. Um, and I just remember that morning I was going into work with my husband and I just cried the entire way to work because I, you know, I felt really defeated. Um, and then later that afternoon, I got the call from the nurse and she said, okay, I'm so sorry. I jumped the gun. Your blood work is showing that you actually already ovulated. And I thought, how is this possible? So I think my body was just like, what are, what is going on? And just, um, I don't know, kind of did its thing and had no idea what to do. And so that was a huge fail. So that was my first experience. Um, and I was so upset. 
So we had to wait until, you know, I got my period again um, to go back in to do some baseline testing. So now we're in October and I got my baseline testing done, tons of follicles. All right. They're now going to not put me on the estrogen. They think that's why my kind of my hormones went kind of out of whack. So they put me um, on five, uh, five milligrams of letrozole this time. So they increased the dosage and they decided to um, also try Menopure, which is an injection in your stomach. And I'm sure a lot of women that go through IVF are very familiar with that drug. Um, um, so we're going to try that route. So day five of my cycle, they said, you're ready to start Letrozole again. Um, I took it for five days. They monitored me. And when I went in, finally, I had one nice big follicle, um, ready to release. So they asked me if I wanted to do IUI or if I wanted to do timed intercourse. And of course my husband wanted to do timed intercourse. Um, he wasn't ready to do the IUI. So they basically tell you exactly when to have sex. You kind of take the guessing out of it, which is really nice because I, in my previous episode, you'll hear me talk about obsessing over, you know, the ovulation kits. And it, it was just nice to take that out of the equation to guess. And um, so they told us exactly when to have timed intercourse. And then you just wait for two weeks and they bring you back to see um, to check your blood levels, your HCG and all that, and your progesterone. So, um, I also did the Avidrol shot. So that releases the egg, so to speak. Um, so we did that. Um, and my birthday was around the corner and my husband was, um, leaving to go on a bachelor party. Um, so I, um, went into the doctor's office two weeks later, got my levels checked. I thought I was pregnant and lo and behold, I was. And the downside of it was my levels were so low, ridiculously low, like 15 low. My HCG level was like 15. And I thought like, there's absolutely no way that this is going to stick. Um, and the, the nurses at Vios were like, you never know, you know, let's put you on progesterone oil. And that was stressful because I had to get the medicine right away. They wanted me to be on, um, progesterone, um, not just the oil, but also the vaginal progesterone. So, you know, it's just overwhelming to take all these drugs and your body's got all these hormones and it's just, it's very emotional. And especially, you know, it's my birthday weekend. I'm supposed to be going out with friends and here I'm just having to worry about this pregnancy trying to stick. So, um, I had my, my mom and my friend actually give me the progesterone and oil cause you have to put it like in your butt basically. And my husband was out of town. So, um, you know, that was hard for me too, that my mom and my friend are, are doing this. And, um, so I went in to the doctor a couple of days later to check my levels. And at that point it was the day of my birthday 
and they called me and they said, unfortunately, your levels didn't double. So you'll be expecting to, you know, they basically get your period or have an early miscarriage any day. And at that point, I was just like, I'm going straight to IVF. Like, I'm done. Like, I, I can't handle this anymore. And my husband's out having so much fun. And he felt terrible because he couldn't be here. And um, I was actually talking to him last night because we were kind of reminiscing about everything. And he said, like, he's like, I feel like that third miscarriage for you was the hardest because it's like, now you start to wonder, like, is this ever going to happen? Because now it's three in a row. Um, you're now trying everything in your power. Um, so he, he remembers it just being like our darkest time um, in our marriage. And um, the one good thing that came out of it is I thought that the, the nurses and the doctor were going to have me wait a whole month until we could try again, but they didn't. So they said, once you start bleeding, come in, we'll do baseline testing. Um, the doctor is going to tweak everything for you. Like she is going, they kept calling the doctor, the GI Jane of fertility. And I kept that in my head. I said, this woman has moved mountains. Like she can do this for us. I just want a family so badly. Um, so I just felt this desperation and I wasn't going to give up. So November rolls around and we meet with the doctor and she's, she keeps saying like, you're young, you are now 31. She's like, this is going to happen for you. Like, we just need to figure out, you know, how to get it right. It's not going to happen overnight. Like we just need to stay the course and just be patient. Um, and I looked at my husband and I said, this is the last time. I said, if, if this doesn't work, whatever her plan is for us, we're going to do IVF. Like it's out of the question. I can't put myself through this every month. Um, I, I was just, we were coming up on a year and Again, I know women go through, you know, years of agony and I, I don't know how some women do it. And it's, it just took such a toll on me personally. I just didn't like the person I was. I missed my old me. I missed not, you know, I missed not having to think about it all the time. Um, especially when you're in that phase, when all of your friends are getting pregnant. So, and, you know, especially because, you know, we moved into this beautiful home and we had three empty bedrooms. That was really hard every day to walk by an empty bedroom. Um, so my heart was just like aching all the time. So um, we meet with the doctor and she said, okay, we're going to get aggressive. We are going to keep you on the letrozole, five milligrams. We are going to put you on metformin. And she said, a lot of women don't love metformin because you, you can get really bad diarrhea and upset stomach. She said, but sometimes it does work well um, with women who suffer from PCOS. Um, she also put me on baby aspirin 
which I know um, a lot of women have tried. She said one baby aspirin a day. Um, and then she was going to also put me, um, increase my dosage of Menipure to see if we could get more than one follicle. And uh, she was going to put me on progesterone starting like a week after we tried um, doing uh, the vaginal pills, not the oil. That was rough. Doing the oil was rough. So I said, okay, this is it. Um, Everything was going well. My levels were really good. They told us, okay, here's the dates, time to intercourse, here you go. And then they called and they said, your levels look like you're going to ovulate on your own. You don't have to use the Ovidrill shot. But I was like, I'm doing everything, like anything to increase my chances. Like I want to do this the way it was planned. So did the Ovidrill shot. Um, and I actually thought they were going to cancel um, this, they call it, they would call it canceling because I had three large follicles and which means I am at a higher risk for not just multiples, but triplets. So, um, that was kind of scary, but she said, based on my history and, you know, the miscarriages that I've had, she said, I highly, highly doubt that you're going to have triplets. So let's move forward. So I was really, really happy with that. And I just thought, okay, I have three large follicles. Something's got to stick here. Something's got to work. Um, uh, 10 days go by and I'm like, I just feel pregnant. Like I know it. I had a dream that I was holding my baby. I woke up crying. My husband was traveling for work that morning and I, I took a pregnancy test. I wish I hadn't because Anybody who's taken Avidrill will say, don't take a pregnancy test because the HCG can show up in your urine from the Avidrill. And um, so I took the pregnancy test. And when I tell you it was the faintest line you could ever imagine, it was the faintest line you could ever, ever imagine. So in my head, I'm like, it could be the lingering Avidrill shot. Um, but I was like, but I just know that I'm pregnant. And I texted my husband a photo and he's like, okay, another faint line, like stay calm. Just wait till you go to the doctor on Monday. You know, at this point it was Friday. So go to the doctor, um, get my levels checked. And um, they were 135, which is the best first HCG number I've ever gotten. And I was so excited. Um, so we're pregnant again. And, um, so they say, okay, like come in a couple days, we'll take your blood again, make sure everything's doubling, you know? Um, and then that next day I start spotting. I'm like, I'm bawling. I'm paralyzed. I can barely speak words. Like I cannot believe this is happening. And I'm starting to cramp. Um, I fell into the deepest, darkest depression where I couldn't even say words to my husband. I took a bath, just bawling in my tears. Um, went to the doctor the next day. I'm bawling to the nurse. I said, this is, this is over. And she's like, you don't know that. She's like, you could be implantation bleeding. Like, 
you know, stay positive. I'm like, no, I just, I've gone through this so many times. Like you don't need to tell me to stay positive. Like this is what's happening. Um, the great thing about Vios is they have same day results. So they took my blood. She said, I will call you the moment I get your results. She called me that afternoon. I was peeing on the toilet and I see my phone light up and it's them and I don't even flush the toilet and I'm running over to my phone and she's like, your levels doubled. I'm like, what? And my husband was just like, so almost like mad at me because I put him through so much because of my mood and it was just crazy. So, um, couldn't believe it. So they said that, you know, that's implantation bleeding come in at six weeks at Vios, They see you at six weeks, which is really nice for your first ultrasound. And, um, that, so I think I had to wait a week and that week I kind of continued to spot. And to me, I just, I couldn't shake it like that seeing blood in any type of form. I don't care how light it is. Like it just didn't sit well with me. And, um, I, I called Vios and I said, I'm spotting, I'm freaking out. And they said, okay, come in. They were so great. They, they never questioned me. They always just told me to come in. My husband was, again, traveling that day. So I went in and this was a new tech because she was covering for someone that was on maternity leave. And she was very, very quiet while doing um, the ultrasound. And after a while, she finally turns the screen to me. She can't, but force, I'm sorry, rewinding. Before she turned the screen to me, she said, um, so did you do IUI? I said, no, I didn't. She said, you know, she keeps asking me questions about, about IUI. And I said, I didn't do IUI. I didn't, I didn't do anything like that. You know, we just did time during course. And she slowly then shows me the screen and there's two sacks. So she's like, you know, it's twins. She said, it's very early. You're in your fifth week. She said, you know, there's no yolk sack yet, but there's two sacks. And I just was like stunned. I'm like, oh my gosh. And um, I call my husband and tell him on the phone and he just kind of, I've never seen him cry before and he's on the phone and I can just hear like that he's got tears and he's like, Oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? And it's like excited, nervous. And, and I'm like, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like I, we need to see heartbeats and, and all that. So, um, the six week comes by and he finally gets to come to the appointment with me. And it's the same tech and she's very, very quiet. Normally, sometimes the techs there are great and they're talking to you the whole time and showing you the screen right away. And again, she didn't show us the screen until the very, the very end. So um, she shows us the screen and there is one heartbeat in one of the sacks. And in the other one, it's just a yolk sack. So it was a bittersweet moment because I had never seen a heartbeat and I just like cried my eyes out and she kept saying like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, like, I, I know this is the sad news, but it's also like the best news that I've been waiting for, for a year. And I couldn't be happier. Like, I just want a healthy baby. That's all I want. 
and um, we we just celebrated that night because we had never come that far. And the doctor called me that afternoon and said, you know, there's still hope for that other sack. She said it could just be, you know, a little bit later that the heartbeat might show. So why don't you come back in another week and we'll monitor it. Um, so I'm like, okay, wait, so we could still be having twins. And it was kind of this roller coaster. Um, so we went in the next week and, um, still only one heartbeat. So we did lose the other sack, um, unfortunately, um, which was hard, but I was just so happy and excited to have this healthy baby. Um, so things were progressing and still going well. Um, I was on progesterone and still taking the metformin and still taking the baby aspirin. Um, I took the baby aspirin up until 10 weeks. And um, the weird thing about the pregnancy was like, I had no symptoms. So that also really messed with my head. And I'd call Vios and I'd be like, I, I don't feel pregnant. Like, I think something's wrong. And they'd be like, it's okay. Like some women don't feel anything. And I was just like, well, why don't I feel anything? Like, I don't feel nauseous. Like I don't feel tired. I, um, so there were a couple times where they were like, come in, like, we'll ease your mind. Um, and so I graduated from Vios, um, around nine weeks, which was very exciting and went, um, to my, my OB at 10 weeks and found out we're having a baby boy, um, August 8th. So, um, we're just so excited. Um, and just, I, I don't know, I can't even put into words like how difficult the journey felt. And, you know, now we're here and I'm just, I'm like, I'm so proud of myself that I just kept going and, you know, we didn't give up and, so that's kind of the journey. I'm 24, I'm in my 24th week now. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of everything. It's all come full circle because you posted my um, podcast on August 9th and my due date's August 8th. So it's kind of like, it's just kind of cool how everything played out and everything kind of happens for a reason. So we're, we are, um, very, very happy. So that's kind of my story. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay. Yeah. So you're like right behind me. Yes. This pregnancy, which is fun. Yes. Yeah. Right oh. behind you. Yeah. When I, when I saw you, um, post your news, I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> how are yeah. you doing being pregnant with all everything that's going on in the world? Um, I, it's so funny because I was like, how is this happening to me? Like I stressed so much last year and it was so difficult and depressing. And now it's like, okay, now you get your exciting news. Oh wait, no, but now you need to stay healthy. And now you need to stress out about keeping the baby safe. And, um, you don't really get to go out in the world and enjoy your pregnancy or have your baby showers like you, like you wanted to. And so it's been stressful. I will say the second half of the second trimester has been so much better because I can feel him and mm -hmm. that's kept my mind at ease. But 
it's also so stressful feeling like I can't go out grocery shopping. Like I don't feel safe because I struggle with, you know, PTSD for sure, for Mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, just making sure that I'm staying healthy and keeping the baby healthy. Um, I mean, I went to the ER already in this pregnancy because I had the worst ligament pain and I thought it was affecting the baby. Like I have terrible PSD, like PTSD. I look at my baby book because I've been writing things down every week. You can see I've, I've been looking back and reading and it's like, I'm anxious. I'm anxious. I'm so anxious. And it's like, you know, <laughs> and, and so it's, um, I, I feel calm with everything going on maybe because I'm just like stuck at home and it's like I'm, yeah I guess I'm when you also fought here. so hard to get here you know what I mean yeah Felt yeah like you've already so, kind of been through hell <laughs> yeah and my doctor's like you're so cal-. I, I was like am I your craziest patient she's like you're so calm I'm like wow okay you're like um, I but, feel nuts <laughs> yeah yeah I mean the, the world is crazy I had to call from the parking lot. I had to wear a mask. You know, it's just such a whole different world right now. And it's not what I envisioned, but Mm -hmm. I'm like anything to get to the finish line, just take me there. Yeah. You know, for sure. So that's, you know, with everything going on, I will say I've been, I've been pretty calm. Yeah. I have cried. I've definitely cried because (laughs) I'm just like, why is this happening to me? Like, but it's happening to everyone. And you know what? Everyone is going through something. And, you know, if I don't know, I, I just feel really, really lucky and really blessed. Oh, good. Now, if you have one piece of advice for somebody who's kind of been through everything that you've been through, Mm -hmm. what would it be? Um, My advice is just simple. And I mean, it's not simple to do, but it's just do not give up. Do not give up if you want this. Um, Because there were so many times where I was like, we're going to go the most extreme route. But if that is the case, if you have, if you want to go the most extreme route, do whatever you need to do, do whatever you and your partner feel comfortable with to get to where you want to be because, um, I'm, I just look back and I'm like, damn, like I fought so hard for you and I'm so proud of myself and I'm so happy that I was my own advocate because all I can think about is, you know, whether you're paying out of pocket or you're paying through insurance, like this is your money. This is your body. Like, you deserve to get what you want at the end of this. I think some people are timid or they don't want to switch doctors because they don't want to hurt their doctor's feelings or they don't know where to go. And I'm just, my advice is to just get out there and do what you need to do to not give up because it will be worth it in the end. And you'll look back and it's just, it's so hard. It is so, so hard in the moment, but you look back and you're like, I just ran an awesome marathon. Really? This journey really shows you how resilient you are. Like yeah. it, it really does, which I'm very grateful for to yeah. kind of figure that out about myself. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah, I really 
push through that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so rewarding and I'm just like I'm going to love this baby more than anything in the world and um yeah. and I worked so hard to get here and it wasn't easy but it was worth every every tear. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Now if somebody wants to reach out to you where could they do so? Instagram would be great. Awesome. I will link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for feeling the pull to jump on and update us, bring some hope to everybody. We all really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Good luck. We'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.